Since Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl, there's been a lot of discussion about who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. That conversation has crossed sports. Tom Brady has been compared to Michael Jordan, who won six championships and would have likely won more if he hadn't taken a break from basketball. When I was a kid, I knew nothing about hockey except Wayne Gretzky was known as the Great One. He won four Stanley Cups. Michael Jordan and Tom Brady both put pictures online recently where they were wearing all their championship rings on one hand and had that hand pressed into their cheek. Then Bill Russell posted his picture online with his 11 championship rings on both his hands. That started a discussion of whether having the most wins is what makes an athlete great. But the debate was settled in my mind when gymnast Simone Biles, a woman with the most medals, 25, of which 19 are gold, and she also has five world titles, she said, there sure are a lot of male athletes that think they are the GOAT. Peter often gets portrayed as the GOAT of all Jesus' disciples. But half of the disciples were fishermen, so in that way, Peter wasn't even exceptional among the disciples. But when we hear a Bible story with Peter, he's often portrayed either as a great man of faith or a dummy who always says something stupid. He was probably neither of those extremes all the time, but those divergent stories show us that Peter was just an ordinary person with good days and bad days. That's something I can relate to. Great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. We started our look at Peter as a sinful man. Facing Jesus shows us who we are. Like most people, Peter wasn't as bad as he could be, but he also wasn't as good as he should be. Yet Jesus still called him. Today, we will look at Peter as a family man. When an ordinary family man follows Jesus, what greatness comes about? A great person is an ordinary person with Jesus in their family. I'm primarily preaching from Mark 1, 29 through 34, but I'm going to read starting from verse 21, because verses 21 through 34 are all happening in one day, and some of the context from the beginning of the day will help our understanding of what happens later in the day. Mark 1, 29 through 34. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. There were, they were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed and so began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. 
So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. To be a great family man, I have to invite Jesus home. Peter, Andrew, James, and John all had been at the synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus taught with authority and cast a demon out of someone. After service was over, Peter didn't say, Okay, Jesus, see you next Saturday at synagogue. He didn't put Jesus off for even one day saying, I'll see you out at the fishing boat tomorrow. You can teach the crowds again. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and Jesus all go to Peter's house. James and John were fishing partners of Peter, so maybe they came to Peter's house regularly. But now they have something more in common than just fishing. All of these men are followers of Jesus. When Peter invites Jesus home, James and John follow. Peter didn't just invite Jesus over for supper, you know, after after service, like sometimes we do after church. Jesus isn't coming to visit. The implication is that Jesus is coming to Peter's house to live. This is where Jesus will stay while he's in Capernaum. One of the places that really impacted me when I studied in Israel was the archaeological site at Capernaum because excuse me, archaeologists believe they have unearthed Peter's house. It was a long venerated site, and when they dug down, they found a modest house dated by the coins they found at that level to be at the time of Jesus. In that house, there is space for the families of Peter and Andrew, Peter's mother-in-law, and Jesus. Have you ever had someone come and live with you? I have, both while I was growing up and as I've had my own family and home. We don't just let anyone come and live with us. We rightly have criteria. Do I know this person, or do they come recommended by someone I know? How long will they be staying? Those are just a couple of the questions we ask, and I don't think we ever made an overly hasty response in bringing someone into our home, because that's an important decision that affects my whole family. Peter didn't seem to wait long to bring Jesus home. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone, but he waits to be invited into my life. It's a simple act of believing in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to invite Jesus in. Jesus is God made human who died and came back to life to pay for my disobedience and give me new life. That simple act may also be the most difficult act for many people because it comes with recognizing who I am. I'm an ordinary person, not God, not always obedient, not great, and in need of a Savior. A great person is an ordinary person who has invited Jesus home. 
To be a great family man, I invite Jesus home, and I include Jesus in family. Now, I have a great mother-in-law, but she's probably not who I introduce first when I invite someone home. If she's sick in bed, I'm certainly not bringing my friend down to her room. I really don't think she'd appreciate that invasion of privacy. Peter, however, immediately tells Jesus about his sick mother-in-law, and Jesus goes to see her. She had a fever, so that makes me think that whatever illness she had might have been infectious. In the book of Mark, we don't have Jesus healing any sicknesses yet. Mark doesn't even mention the miraculous catch of fish that happened at the calling of the fishermen disciples. We've heard God speak from heaven at Jesus' baptism, and Jesus has cast a demon out of a man at synagogue. Jesus has not healed any physical sicknesses at this point in Mark's narrative. Jesus is not just a house guest for Peter, though. Jesus is part of the family, so Peter lets Jesus know everything that's going on in the house and lets Jesus have the run of the house. It's like he said, Jesus, you can go wherever you want. Just know that mom is in her room sick with a fever. And that's the room Jesus goes to. Jesus takes her by the hand and raises her up. With that act, her fever goes away. Now, my fever could go away and I could still be sick. But Peter's mother-in-law is healed. She feels so good, she begins to serve them all. Because Jesus has joined the family, she is able to rejoin the family. In my family, when we've had people live with us, one of the things we discuss with the person is, how will you contribute to the family? The answer for this is different for everyone. Some people contribute by paying rent. We've had other people contribute and not pay a dime. Caitlin stayed with us shortly after we moved here to Oakdale. She babysat my daughter. We've had people help with food. It's nice to not have to cook dinner every night. Everyone that is part of the household contributes in some way. Including Jesus in my family means more than just giving him space. Jesus doesn't ask for a room in my basement or over my garage. Jesus wants to be a contributing part of the family. Again, Revelation 3.20, he says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is describing a family meal. If Jesus is the bread of life and living water, then Jesus is the one bringing the food. It's like last year when I invited Max, Stephanie, and Denise over for Thanksgiving. My idea was I'd make some food and they'd make some food and we'd share it together. But how it turned out was I provided the house, the table, and chairs, and they brought everything to eat. Including Jesus in my family is not a burden. Jesus is not a dependent. I'm dependent on him. Jesus brings healing to the family. Jesus brings restoration to the family. And Jesus brings blessing to the family if he is included in the family. A great person is an ordinary person with Jesus in their family. So to be a great family man, I invite Jesus home, include Jesus in family, and I introduce Jesus to everyone. The final event in this story happens in the evening after the sun had set. 
This is an important detail that Mark gives us. Remember, it was the Sabbath day that Jesus had been teaching in the synagogue, and then everyone went to Peter's house. The Jewish day doesn't change at midnight or run from sunrise to sunrise like we do. The Jewish day begins at sunset. On the Sabbath day, there are restrictions on work, which include how far a person can travel. But as soon as those restrictions are over at sunset, they, likely Peter, Andrew, James, and John, bring the sick and the demon-possessed back to Peter's house so that Jesus can heal them. On the Sabbath day, they witness Jesus heal one person from an unclean spirit and another person from sickness, a fever. And so they go and find everyone they can in Capernaum that is sick or demon-possessed and bring them to Jesus, who heals them. It tells me if I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus must expect that I know some people that need healing and need to be freed from demons. I want to make sure we don't miss this also. Peter didn't bring the community to the synagogue. Peter brought them to his own house because that's where Jesus was. They bring so many people, and likely the families of these people came along as well, that it says the whole city is at the door of Peter's house. Peter's relationship with Jesus extends beyond himself and beyond his own blood family and beyond his business partners. Peter wants Jesus to heal his whole community. That's a sign of someone ordinary doing something great because they first brought Jesus into their family and from their family to the community. Part of moving to Oakdale for me wasn't just to have a different place to grow my own family, and it wasn't just to pastor this church. Part of what I'm called to do is bring Jesus to the community. I do that not just as a local pastor serving on community boards. I'm also an ordinary dad and an ordinary citizen, but I'm one that is following Jesus. I don't think I encourage people very frequently to invite others to Sunday worship. Now, there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church worship. I believe Jesus is here. But how many opportunities might I miss to introduce people to Jesus if I only invite people to Sunday worship? Jesus is going to be at our blood drive on April 2nd. There are plenty of people who don't know Jesus who are willing to donate blood or volunteer at a blood drive. Now that we seem to have a way out of the pandemic, yours and my non-Christian friends might be again willing to come over to our houses if we invite them or meet them in a restaurant as they open up. Jesus is everywhere a Jesus follower is. A great person is an ordinary person who introduces Jesus to everyone. When I was in seminary, I traveled to Indiana every summer for intensive courses, and we students would stay in the dorms. Then one year the dorms were no longer available for us, and we all had to find other places to stay. And there are not many choices in Marion, Indiana. My friend David invited me to stay at his house with his family. His youngest daughter gave up her room to give me private space. Now, David is younger than me, but he got married and started his family before I did. His family is about seven years ahead of mine. I remember sitting on a chair in the living room one evening as the family did their normal routine. 
They weren't ignoring me, but David, his wife Kathy, and their children all interacted in the same way as if um, I was one of the people who was in their living room every night. As I watched what went on, I said to myself, this is what I want my family to be like in seven years. I don't think David or Kathy would consider themselves more extraordinary people than me and Jennifer. Just like us, they are ordinary people, ordinarily married with ordinary human children. Yet as I sat in that chair, I was thinking, what a great family. It's not like I grew up in a family with major dysfunction. My mom and dad were both there for me and my brother as kids. My parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary just last year. Now, I love my wife and kids. So it's not like I looked at their family and saw something that was completely foreign to my own experience. But I did experience there a great family. What they had and have is something that I also have access to and anyone has access to. I wasn't the only person that David and Kathy had brought into their family. As real as I was on that chair, Jesus was also interacting in their family. A great person has Jesus in their family. Great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. Let's pray from Psalm 25. Lord, make your ways known to us. Teach us your paths. Guide us in truth. Show us your love. Show us sinners the way and lead us into what is right. Because those who follow your way live a good life and our families will gain your inheritance of salvation. Amen. Maybe this message sounded kind of abstract to you because Jesus isn't in your family. The first step of inviting Jesus into my family is inviting Jesus into my life. If anyone listening does not have a friend that is a friend of Jesus, I want to be your friend. You can use the text line or online connection card to contact me, or you can go to heartwood.church slash livingstones. The first step in our discipleship pathway is faith. If you already follow Jesus but are looking to go deeper, inviting Jesus into your home, family, and community, the evangelism, responsibility, and society living stones are designed for that type of growth. Leave you today with this blessing. Now may the Lord remember us and bless us, for he blesses all those who fear the Lord, both small and great alike.